Sales Tuners, Episode 17, David Zom, Insurance Agent at Robley Insurance. I'll send them something every month until they tell me they want to meet with me, they'll meet with me at a later day, or to go away. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Arnold Schwarzenegger, who said, you can have results or excuses, not both. Joining me today is David Zom, a commercial lines insurance agent with Robley Insurance. In the last two years, he's managed to grow his book of business from $1 million to more than $6 million, using some pretty interesting tactics for what a lot of people would consider a commodity service. Things weren't always great for David. He got into sales as a necessity to increase his income in order to support his family and three young children. One interesting note David shared with me offline, he actually broke several bones in his face. After listening to some of his antics, you may think it was caused by one of his prospects, but it actually happened on the basketball court. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Okta for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Octave is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com. All right. Make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesooners.com slash zom. But now let's get to the conversation where David talks about how he's able to differentiate himself in a very crowded and competitive market. You know, it is a commodity business insurance, and it is a very what they call soft market, um, very competitive market. So our biggest differentiator, we have to be competitive and we are, um, you know, have to listen to your customers and and obviously uh, locate those things that need to be better and and help provide solutions for those. But I would say the number one differentiator is um, we we provide. Um, we have a a division of our company called claim shield and, um, people spend a lot of money, a gym to, um, on insurance, uh, in order when there's a problem, they want, they want that problem to be solved. But unfortunately they don't spend any money, really a lot of these medium sized businesses, um, to prevent claims from happening in the first place. So what we do is we come in with more of a consultative approach and, um, we, we come in and say, Hey, you know, we want to part. We want want to be a true and risk management partner for for you, and want to provide, um, you know, not just insurance for when something happens, but we want to be proactive. Um, a lot of insurance agencies um, through the insurance carrier, whether it be Travelers or Hartford or whomever, um, will offer some safety services, but it it never really hits the mark. It's it's more ancillary. So. What we do is we offer like true boots on the ground um, prevent, uh, claim prevention services to our customers so that we could we could reduce their costs, mitigate their risk, and and also put them in a better risk management position in the long run as well. Got it. So, David, you know, we've, we've talked about this um, coming into the show. So uh, we talk about the behaviors, attitudes and techniques that have led to to your success. And so when you sit back and you think about it, what has led to your success? Well, um, 
again, um, over time you constantly improve and by listening to people that have done it and you certainly, we certainly don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, I would say that, you know, be, through my evolution and, and listening to others, I put my business on what I like to call auto ask. And what that means is that, um, you know, from a prospecting standpoint, we, you know, some of that Grant Cardone, massive action, um, that kind of approach, um, every week, um, we, we send out 200 marketing items, um, three dimensional marketing items, and it's different every month. And we dial into those marketing items. And not only do I do that now, but I have producers that work with me that, that do it as well. We've kind of created a, a team of people that do that. And we're constantly asking people in a different way, not the same message exactly every time um, so that it's fresh and we're not annoying, hopefully, but uh, we're constantly asking people to meet with us and providing value propositions for them to meet with us. And, and we do that again consistently. I think um, when, I, when I didn't do so well, it's because I didn't have a strong enough pipeline because um, in, like a book I recently read, um, you know, there's a difference between a process and a discipline or a event and a discipline. A discipline is something you do every day. So by automating that and kind of making it, um, I would like to say, I guess, clever, um, a clever approach. When we make those dials, people are are never upset. And and so it also opens my mindset and our producers mindset to where they make those dials. They're more fearless. Um, they're not afraid of you know, intruding on somebody. And so we put ourselves in a position to consistently prospect. And um, in my opinion, when when anybody does that, it doesn't matter if you're good or if, if you're good or if you suck. If you per, if you create that much uh, vo- that much of a volume of opportunity, you're going to be successful. And David, when I was doing my, my research on you and talking to others about you, you know, I was told that your ability to get in the door is you're a master at it, this creative prospecting concept. And, you know, you kind of just you, you mentioned this concept of, of 3D mail. I don't know that, that my listeners uh, know what you mean by that. So what does that mean? What are you actually sending? Well, um, you know, there there are a few different things and a few different levels Um I know a lot of the listeners have probably heard of the some of the silly stuff, which works like, you know, sit, you know, dropping off a shoe and, you know, hey, we're getting our foot in the door. Um, and we do some of that. We do some of the, uh, you know, knickknacky, cheesy things. Um, you know, for example, um, we sent uh, for October. Um, and we thought about this a lot, but we sent like a bipartisan thing out. It had like a, a stick mask of Donald and one of Hillary. And it said something like, um, hey, if you thought October 31st was scary, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, and then the message to follow was, you know, hey, we want to run for the office of your new commercial lines agent. Um, some kind of cheesy message like that. But then on the back of every note card we sent, um, on the back, it had a message about, true risk management partnership um, about our safety services that we offer and why it makes sense to consider a true partner instead of just an insurance agent. Um, um, and then, I mean, there's lots of ideas like that. I mean, kind of cheesy, cheesy ideas like that, that we've done. Um, another one um, 
at a lot of times when we make these dials, um, like a lot of your listeners may have, um, you know, you move them through a process. They may not want to meet with you right away, but they say call back at this date and time for when their product or service renews or because it's around a certain date. We call that our hit list. So they, those, um, those customers or uh, opportunities go on another list and we send them larger items um, around those dates, usually 60 days before the renewal date. Example of that would be um, like we'll send them an hourglass in the mail. Um, with the message, it says something like, um, time is the most important asset that we have. Um, and we understand that and we truly value yours. If you're able, if you give us an opportunity to meet with you, we'll provide true value, uh, and work very hard to reduce your costs and put you in a better insurance position along the way, some stuff like that. So, you know, we have, you know, different levels. Um, that's the shortest way to say it, I guess, um, of prospecting. Um, we try to keep it fresh unique. Um, we try to make it, there's a lot of research that went into what gets opened, what doesn't get opened. Um, but ultimately we're always attacking. We're never afraid. Um, and it's, it's really been a fun ride. Um, people get our stuff. Um, and one more note on that, Jim, we've sent, um, there's customers, I'll send them something every month until they tell me they want to meet with me. They'll meet with me at a later day or to go away. So we have customers currently in our pipeline. Um, I have several customers that I've sent over 40 items in the mail to. Um, so you mean you mean 40 months worth of stuff? Correct. Wow. Correct. Just, um, again, hungry dog on the back of the meat truck. Um, and again, a different message, not the same message. Um, just slight, just changing it up. And a lot of my customers... A lot of my customers, all of my customers, for the most part, come from this. But a lot of my customers, you know, told me when I met them, you know, I'll meet them and they'll have like a museum of stuff that I've sent them. And we might talk about it for the first two minutes and then we move on to more professional topics. But, um, you know, I, I do believe it is the consistency, um, the persistence. They kind of think this guy's not going to quit. So I guess I ought to meet with them. And then once we meet with them, of course, um, like a lot of your other uh, presenters have, have talked about, I listen to a lot of the podcast, um, you know, then you, you get into the real process at that point. So I, I you know, we kind of just went zero to 60, which I love, but, but I want to just take us back, right? So uh, I, I'm going to get us back here, but David, talk to me, how did you even get into sales, right? You, you've not always been this person. You've always, not always had the the notion or the ability to do the things that you're doing today how did you get into sales uh that's a cool question um so i um i graduated um from a small college here in south side of indiana and um thought i wanted to teach it didn't work out so well i didn't really enjoy it um and so um, I wanted to get on with the pay, with, with the sales gig and and give it a shot. Um, at the time, I had one small one small child, and um, so uh, I interviewed um, uh, for a payroll provider, um, payroll processing provider, and you know, I had no sales experience. And um, you know, ultimately, they you know I met, went through the process, did the caliper, and they decided that. You know, they were looking for somebody from Enterprise or Xerox or back then or somebody that had B2B sales experience. So the letter out um, and, you know, um, 
the guy that was my my boss for six years after that, um, I sent him a letter back and basically indicated that I was going that, you know, I felt like um, I wanted to get another opportunity. I wanted to I really felt like I do I could do this job and be good at it. So he got the letter and he actually called me back and had me come in. Um, and so I, I come in and so he he puts me in one of those little rooms that they had there and uh, brings in a list of like, you know, whatever, 50 names. And he says, I want I want you to dial. I just want you to dial. I said, OK, so he leaves the room. So I just start dialing. And at that time, I'm like 25 years old. I don't know my head from my rear end at all. Not that I necessarily do any more today, but but um, I just start dialing. And luckily, I got this guy this guy on the phone, and um, we got to talking. And he, you know, I, I I could kind of feel that he might meet with me. Of course, I'm trying to sell a service I know nothing about. Um, and <laughs> I said something like. Hey, listen. If you'll take a, a very, if if you'll give me a few minutes of your time, I'll bring the soda. If you, I'll bring the soda. If you bring the Doritos, and when I said that, the uh, Bob, my uh, the boss um, that I had for the next six years, had opened the door, and I didn't realize it, and heard me say that, and he just started laughing. And the guy ended up taking the meeting. Of course, I didn't even work there, um, but he took the meeting, and I closed the meeting, and. And he called me out of the room and he ripped up the, the sounds silly, like I'm making this up, but he ripped up the letter and, and hired me. So from there, um, I was determined, uh, that I didn't know anything about sales, um, really, uh, but I wanted to provide for my family and work hard. And so I started listening and reading and working hard and, um, so that so that really was your first cold call you had ever made was basically on a, on an interview. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And you know again like everyone probably does I thought that man I I you know I could really do this, you know um but you know looking back you you realize that you know you're just a baby. You don't understand um all the people that that knows so much more than you and, and, uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride. Sure. So, so, so now you've, so you, so you've gotten hired and now you truly have to dial for dollars every single day. What were some of the challenges early on? Uh, you mentioned it was at a payroll company. What were some of those challenges early on that you had to overcome? Well, um, uh, you start out, you just make a, you, you start out making, of course we had all kinds of avenues that we got business, but we did cold call a lot and you, you make those dials and, um, you know, like, like many do you get nervous, you feel like you're intruding, you, you get nervous and, you know, you feel like this is a wait, you know, you, this is a waste of time. You tell yourself when you start a two or three hour session that, you know, you're going to stick with it and do this. But after you start experiencing that rejection, you know, you, you start to have second thoughts and, Hey, there's gotta be a smarter way to do this. And then a guy that I respect a lot, um, said something to me one day, he goes, a good plan today is better than an excellent plan tomorrow. So finish it out. And, and then if you want to change your plan for tomorrow, that's fine. So that's a lot of the challenges I, I've, I had. And then ultimately, um, if even, even during the payroll days, it forced me to ask myself, okay, if I was on the other end there, what what would make me less ticked off about taking a cold call? 
um, because I know people do get upset by it. And that's where the idea began to to send them something in the mail that would hopefully make them laugh and make us seem like we get it, that, you know, we're trying to be different out here in the market, at least. And then maybe we could laugh about it during the first part of my call into them. And I thought to myself, hey, if I got something in the mail from somebody that was funny, I would take their call. And if if I got five in a row, I would absolutely take their call. So that's kind of where, you know, it's, it's, um, again, um, a lot of folks have said this, you know, (laughs) millions of times probably before, before I have, but, um, and really that's what sales is about, right? It's about figuring out what those obstacles are and finding a way around them. And by sending the stuff in the mail, um, it, it made me more comfortable making the call, which means I made more calls. And the more calls I made, um, obviously, the more successful I was. And it just kind of snowballed. So where did the budget come from, David, for this? I mean, I'm going to assume the amount of mail you're sending out, that's pretty expensive. Where, where are you getting the money for this? Well, um, back, back then, I would just bootstrap. And, you know, I'm, I may not send 200 items out. And but but I, you know, I, I talked to uh, our manager helped me a little bit with a little bit of a budget, but I spent a lot of my own money and people always question that, like, how could you afford to do that? And my, my response was always, how can you afford to not? I mean, if you're going to be a clown and and not take any risk ever, um, you're going to always be in the middle, in my opinion. I think that's a universal principle. It doesn't have anything to do with me. So now that, um, you know, obviously it's different now, I I'm kind of independent. I, um, I work for Robley insurance, but, um, I'm technically an independent contractor as many producers are. Um, and you know, we spend, I spend $4,000 a month on marketing, a minimum, and I'm thrilled to do it. Um, because you know, it stimulates, um, new opportunities, um, more pipeline. The ROI is undeniable. Um, from the efforts. Um, so, and plus it's kind of interesting whether it be back in the payroll days or today. And, you know, again, with our, our producers as well, you know, when you spend that kind of money on marketing, you have to, you have to follow up. You have to make the dials. You can't, if you're in a, in, in a poor mood one day, or you don't feel like doing it, when you think about all that money you spent, you, you understand that you have to do it. You can't just get out of it. Um, so I think that that helps as well. But uh, well, and so this is opening up the door, right? It's getting you in the door, but you still got to go sell it. And you you alluded to it earlier, right? Commercial line is insurance. It's it's a little bit of a commodity. I, I would assume that you're going to compete on price and it's, you know, are you the cheapest? So, yeah, they're taking your call. But how are you still converting them into the growth of the business that you've had? I mean, almost 600 percent growth in just a few years. Well, um, you know, that I truly believe that in the duality of the sales process and, you know, you could split it as many ways as you want. Everybody has a different philosophy, but I believe there's a skill set to get in the door. And then there's everything after that within, you know, after we talk and learn a little bit about each other, you know, as, as, you know, any good sales process starts with, we might have a few words about the, the items I've sent them in the mail. And then from there, it's it's that that is completely over. I do feel like it builds a little bit of something to talk about, other than hey, you got that on your wall, and make it some garbage comment about what's on their wall. Um, but from there, um, 
you know, I've just been fortunate to be surrounded by, you know, a lot of good people that, that taught me about, um, listening, um, asking good questions, um, you know, with insurance, um, you know, there's, I really, a lot of the things are the same every time, you know, you, um, locate making sure you have the right people in the room. Um, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but ultimately with insurance, it is a commodity product. I'm trying to identify, you know, you know, a dumb, a dumb thing that one of my managers told me back in payroll was, which works really well. Hey, this is, uh, he said it something like this. Hey, let me ask you a silly question. Please don't throw me out of the room. He'd say, you know, how would you rate your current, um, payroll provider from a scale of one to 10? So I would say, I'll say that a lot. How do you rate your current agent on a scale of one to 10? And what, if they don't give it a 10, let's say they give it a seven. The next question is why not a 10? So again, the, the standard, you know, pulling out, um, what may be wrong, what could be better with their current process, holstering all the solutions for later, you know, listening, um, figuring out what the decision points are going to be, whether it be price, service. Um, and then again, um, this is kind of a Cardone thing that I like, Grant Cardone, um, is do things that other people won't do. So a lot of insurance agents, almost all of them, don't offer safety services and claim prevention. So you know, that's something that, that you know, I brought to our owner and said, hey, you know, uh, we need to do this. Um, and so now we have a talking point. We, get, we gather all their pain points. We can attack those. But also we have this ace in the hole that we can really um, spend a lot of time on and focus on. You know, we have something that a lot of other agencies don't have. So we feel like, you know, the combination of all those things, then you leave there. Um, and I do feel like this, I know I'm rambling, but I do feel like this is the, some of the same marketing. Um, I do, I do pipeline marketing. So, um, I'll send them really nice things, um, during the sales process, depending on the length of the sales process. And, um, uh, I feel like you're courting them. It's kind of like old school, right? You're trying to get the, the gal to marry you. So it's, you're dating them and you're trying to get them to marry you. So I try to treat it that way. And then, you know, we feel like we want to come to the closing table that we have the best solution for your problem. We're giving you something that you're not getting now completely. We're kind of changing the rules, but then also the hope is they like you, you know, they, they want to do business with you. Um, all this knickknacky stuff. And then, and then you kind of show that you go the extra mile and you care about them and their business. And, you know, they're the, the key in insurance is they have to want to say no to their current agent more than they want to say no to you. And that's hard because they might've been with them for four years, five years, 10 years. So you're trying to create this, you know, this ability for them to, to, you know, they feel equally as bad saying no to me as they do their current agent. And then we have the better solution um, and the ace in the hole. So I think, you know, that's the key to our success and why we we close at a nice percentage. So let's let's get real specific, David, right? So what does a typical week look like for you? Take me Monday to Friday. I'm assuming it's a lot of golf and a lot of sushi dinners is, is what it sounds <laughs> like to me. But what does a typical week look like for you? Well, um, nowadays, um, um, I mean, if we go back two years ago, um, I spend every Thursday in the dial tank, 
um, shut the door, nothing but dials. Monday, mail goes out. Thursday's style day. Um, but other than that, um, a meeting with, you know, uh, career-wise, I've averaged, you know, four, I call them pickups. Everybody's got their lingo. Four pickups a week where we picked up information to propose insurance. Um, so I'm on a pickup or um, meeting a new customer to convince them that they should let us propose insurance or um, I'm presenting an, uh, an insurance proposal or I'm delivering an insurance binder and um, solidifying with a, with a new client that they made the right decision um, by going with us. Um, nowadays, I'm doing a lot more. Again, I have other producers that work with us, so I'm training them. Um, I used to do all my own renewals. Now I don't. So we have an account manager that does that. I'm working with him. So there's um, a lot of collaboration. Um, you know, in the insurance world, um, there's a lot. I mean, you're building a business. It's it is a lot different than what I did before. And, and, and you know, just being a salesperson, um, there's more aspects to it than that. So um, but I do feel like um, you know, like with our producers now, um, you know, the traditional agent model has their producers service those accounts and do the renewals. I do not believe in that. I believe, um, um, and this comes from my manager back in payroll, um, that you're so much better off if, if you take the position that I want to let operations service the customer. I want to focus on selling. I used to believe that that was, you, you were heartless in some way if you did that. And I feel like I have grown professionally there because, and again, the man, I, I've got my manager um, in payroll to thank for that because he taught me that, listen, if you believe in the company that you work for, you, you need to understand that you're better off focusing on bringing on new customers because that's what you do best. Um, so, you know, our producers now are, are focused, um, you know, they do nothing but sell and, you know, our account manager does nothing but but service. And of course we have our ops team that services. Um, so I, I am kind of in a position now where I'm still selling. I sell a lot, but, um, also, I'm kind of building a business. Got it. Got it. So <clears throat> I want to maybe go back to the payroll days just real quick. Was there kind of an aha moment for you that it just clicked and it said, look, if I'm going to be successful at this, this is what my, what I'm going to have to do. Yeah. Um, great question. I, 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 I don't remember a specific moment. I re I remember the first time, um, the first thing I sent out, um, in the mail that really worked. Um, and it was like the staples easy button. It was a recordable button. You could record a 10 second message on this, on this button um, customized message and then send it in the mail. And I, I had this stupid logo on it. Um, my, the, with like this mantra, it was, um, it was a black and white photo of a sales guy and it said, not your typical sales schmo. It was really dumb looking back, but, um, the idea of it was, you know, kind of to be a little bit cheesy and off, but, um, I recorded a message on like 20 of these buttons and sent them to my 20 whatever hottest prospects. And the message was literally when they pushed the button, it was me. And it said something like, I have made my decision. I shall meet with this David Zomit paychecks. 
So literally they get, got this thing in the mail and they pushed that button and they heard that. And when I dialed into that, people just thought it was hilarious. And, um, I can't remember how many people met with me and how many sales I made off of that, but it was, you know, I, I, I realized that, you know, in a, in an era where everyone's doing digital marketing and, you know, you know, back then it was constant contact or whatever, the emails, I'm tired of getting emails. Like I'm done with all this spam that I get. Um, I realized that there might be a niche in swimming upstream. And then as time passed, um, I realized it doesn't have to be cheesy. You could send them something nice um, and have a professional message and do the same thing. People told me, well, I can't do that with what I do. I, I'm in software sales or I'm in med device or whatever. I can't do that. And I thought, you know, that's, that's, that's a clown thing to say because you can, you just, you may not be able to do what I do with this particular item because no one's going to take it seriously, but the idea is scalable. And so I started doing some more upmarket stuff and had a lot of success with it. And, um, I realized I could, you know, there was a linear, there was a somewhat linear, um, relationship between the number of these items I could send out and the number of sales I, I was able to obtain. And, in my opinion, in sales, if you could create a linear relationship like that, you could do a lot of damage. So I think that that first um, that first drop was was kind of what led me to believe that this could work. So, David, we, we've been talking an awful lot about the success that you've had. Not everything has been peaches and, and you know, rainbows and butterflies and all that kind of stuff. What about the other side of this? Can you tell me about a time where this stuff didn't work for you and you just flat out failed? Yeah. Um, you know, I could give you all kinds of examples of that because, um, again, sales is really about more, it's about, (laughs) you know, some will, some will, who's next. But now I remember when I, I first got into insurance, um, I wanted to focus on, I, I did a calendar evaluation and I thought, you know what, what if I outsource my prospecting? I could do that. So I hired a firm to literally make dials for me. And it actually worked pretty well for a small, short period of time. Um, but ultimately it, it failed. And so when it did, I had to let that firm go and, 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 and I did. And so, um, obviously it caused me to pivot and I had to ask myself, it forced me to ask myself the question, okay, now I've got it. I guess I'm going to make these dials myself. So I started to do that and I realized, you know, I don't think this is the best method. And so I thought back to the payroll days and what I used to do, um, on a small level. And, and it made me ask, you know, now that I have to do this, what's the best way to do it? And that's where the whole evolution came and sending the 200 items out. It didn't start out with 200 items, but the process that we have today. So, um, and then of course I read some books after that and realized the, it cost me a lot of money and a lot of time, um, to pivot. And I wasted a lot of money during that phase where I hired that firm. And it's because, you know, as I learned, you should never outsource something differently than you, than you, than you would do it yourself ever. You should perfect something first. Um, I, I learned that, uh, the book E-Myth, uh, by Michael Gerber talks about franchising and, you know, 
you you should never franchise something until you've perfected the model. And, um, you know, that's probably the, that was a big mistake, but it, it really turned out well because, you know, now I was able to pivot and that's why we have the system we have today. That's been a lot more successful, um, you know, than that previous system. That's pretty powerful. I, I really appreciate you, uh, you sharing that. David, we're going to take a quick break uh, and when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Sales Tuners, Octave has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. We are back and it's time for the money round. David, are you ready for the money round? I'm ready. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Um, I would say uh, trying to be creative, reading books on creativity and and trying to, again, just just get a little, try to do things that others others maybe are afraid to do or or won't do. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? Who? Um, probably creating a, a great marketing plan, a great plan of attack because um, gusto alone doesn't get it done. You have to have a plan and you have to execute it. And if your plan sucks, you're going to suck. Which phrase describes you best and why I love to win or I hate to lose? Ooh, uh, I hate to lose. I hate to lose. And because when you work hard to earn some, an opportunity with somebody and somebody else uh, owns you, um, it never feels good. And, and usually there's something that you could have, not always, because there's a lot of good people out there, but usually there's something you could have done better. David, what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Holy cow. Um, uh, I love, I like to give three. I love 10 X by Grant Cardone. I love the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, um, a lot and the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Sales tuners. If you'd like to check out David's recommendation of 10 X by, sorry, who was that by? I'm sorry. Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone. Sorry. I'm gonna do that over Grant Cardone. <clears throat> Sales tuners, if you would like to check out David's recommendation of 10X by Grant Cardone for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. David, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Um, massive action that if... Um, there are people that are always trying to find the niche or figure out a better way to do things. And that's important, but you need to create a plan that, that involves a massive amount of action. It's a kind of that 10 X principle that 
you know, you have to cast a wide net and your fire has to be so bright that nobody can put it out. I love it. And if someone, I'm going to get you out of here on this one. If someone wanted to connect with you today uh, after the show, how would they do that? Perfect. Um, my cell phone, um, I'll give a, a happy, um, um, that's uh, 317-847-2310, 317-847-2310. Email david at robleyinsurance.com, R-O-B-L-E-Y, is, that's how you spell Robley, david at robleyinsurance.com. David, this has been so awesome. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate yours. I've got to admit, I was kind of skeptical at first, but the attention to detail uh, David puts into his mail campaign and the consistency in dialing into new accounts is pretty remarkable. I want to get to my top takeaways. Number one, auto ask. Figure out how to consistently get in front of your audience with a unique, fresh message. Eventually, they'll either meet with you, tell you they'll meet with you at a later date, or tell you to go away. But the persistence will ultimately pay off once they see your commitment. Number two, don't reinvent the wheel. Look around you. Talk to other reps in a similar role. Talk to your competitors, or at least talk to reps that are selling into the same type of prospect profile you are. What is working for them, or what has worked for others? Figuring this out can put you on your path to success. Number three, DIY before outsourcing. Unless you know the intricate details of a process, it may not be in your best interest to outsource it. Do it yourself first. Figure out the tiny details and draft a standard operating procedure. Doing so allows you to monitor the outsourcing and determine very quickly what's working and what's not. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guest, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Hey!